Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars Fun for Everyone. I am your host, Tom Sutton. Uh, it's good to be back. We take, took a little break there, partly due to uh, me starting a new kind of work venture, which uh, meant that I was pretty much working every day for about a month, and um, also partly due to uh, current world events. And, uh, you know, there are, there are people out there who are more obsessed about Star Wars than me. They must be. But I've never met one. So when I say that uh, with with the things that have been going on in the world um, recently that I I just, I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could strap on the headphones to talk about Star Wars at a, at a point in time when um, so many people and so many uh, countries, nations and cultures were being forced to take a bit of a look at themselves um i know <laughs> this is a podcast pretty much f just for my own entertainment and uh it's only about five of you <laughs> no it's more than five but it's not a whole lot of you know i don't have some huge listenership so uh but i also think it's really a good moment for everybody to uh lend their voice to uh support um what's happening in the US and to reflect on how things work in their own countries and their own cultures. Um, uh, obviously, I'm talking about the Black Lives Matter, Matter movement in the US, but you know, I'm from Australia and um, we don't have a happy history either when it comes to uh, racism and uh, white supremacy and imperialism um, I I have to assume that every country on uh, on uh, on the on Earth, you know, has have things in their past that uh, could have been done better, and uh, this is a great moment to reflect on that, to uh, do what you can to help people who um, help the oppressed of the world, uh, lend support to those people who need it. Um, you know, we're Star Wars fans. That means that uh, you would hope that there is um, a feeling within you that you want to, you know, fight for equality and for um, fairness and justice and, uh, you know, to uh, support people who have been, you know, many, there are many uh, groups, uh, cultures, um, races across the in the world who have been oppressed for hundreds and hundreds of years and um yeah we're not out of it it's time to uh really look at the reality of that and see how we can do things better now uh this is a star wars podcast i want to tie it back into star wars in some way and uh, the way we're going to do that is by having a quick listen to the amazing John Boyega uh, speaking at a Black Lives Matter rally in the UK. Um, 
I knew I knew I liked this guy from the first time I saw him on screen in The Force Awakens, and this does nothing to change that. Uh, he um, gave an extremely passionate speech at that rally. Uh, yeah, I just want to throw down a little bit of that before we get into the main podcast. Here we go. We have always been important. We have always meant something. We have always succeeded regardless. And now is the time. I ain't waiting. I ain't waiting. I have been born in this country. I'm 28 years old. Born and raised in London. And for time, every black person understands and realizes the first time you are reminded that you are black. You remember. Every black person in here remembers when another person reminded you that you were black. So none of you out there, all those protesters on the other side, protesting against what we want to do, protesting against what we want to try and achieve, burn you, because this is so vital. All right, thank you again, John Boyega. All right, here we go. <laughs> um, I Okay. One of the th- one of my you know kind of approaches to things these days, you know, when it comes to Star Wars fandom, is to really try to um, keep things as positive as possible. Um, it <laughs> the days when um, Star Wars fans all agreed with each other are sadly long behind us and may never return again. Um, so. You know, with that in mind, I've always tried to uh, kind of skip over stuff that I <laughs> wasn't a huge fan of and to concentrate on the stuff that I really like. Now, having said that, I thought it might be fun to record some commentaries for the prequels. You know, um, part of the podcast is that I go through scene by scene in uh, through, you know, Star Wars films talking about what I like about them, um, or, you know, and criticize any criticisms I have as well, but it's it's mostly just me geeking out, having fun. Um, I would, would prefer not to do that with the, uh, the prequels because it's just going to end up being a very protracted amount of complaining at the end of every episode. So I thought... I'm just going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to put it I'm just going to put it all in one place. So, here's a warning. If you are a fan of the film Star Wars Episode 1: The Phantom Menace and you don't want to have a shit time listening to uh some fucking guy complaining about it, maybe best to turn off now. Um I'm not I, you know, if people like the love these films, that's awesome. Um you know, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of lots of stuff that people think sucks, um, but uh, this is, in one way, you know, when I see people attacking the new films online while defending the prequels, it kind of blows my mind a bit. As Andreas at the Abyss said to me a while ago, hi Andreas, he said there have been much worse Star Wars films, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. Um, now, uh, I will of course be talking about stuff that I really like about the films because there is there is stuff that I like about the films too. Um, but this is a kind of a, 
a little bit of a um I'm hoping for a bit of a cathartic experience. Uh, yeah, we're going to throw it all in one bucket. And if you don't like that bucket, pull the bucket out the window. Hopefully there's no one outside to get hit with the shit. All right. So here we go. Tom Sutton and his episode one, The Phantom Menace commentary track. I just hit play. The Lucasfilm logo is up. Gotta love that. Can't go wrong there. Now, of course you want... Kicking off, I gotta, I gotta kind of think back to um, uh, 1999. Oh, a long time ago. See, th- even the the parts, the, it still has that effect when I see a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then the the logo, bam! I, okay, here's a really nerdy thing. Something I noticed was that they, I think. As soon as the, on my first viewing of of uh, the Force Awakens, I felt that that opening bam in the in the soundtrack it actually lacked a bit of punch, and I have since heard that um, I think it was John Williams himself who was very um, very happy with the orchestra's performance of the Star Wars main theme on the Episode One recording, and I think they used the same theme throughout the the rest of the um the prequels because they nailed it so awesomely and i agree it's one of the most like impactful clean like uh, they really smashed that i love that all right this crawl it was bizarre from the beginning turmoil hamana hamana trade routes shamana shamana chancellor zippity doo <sighs> yep that was already a little weird i mean i have to say like you know, being in Australia, I think it, this movie came out like months or something after it had been released in the US. So the, the rumblings of discontent we had already heard. So we knew that we were potentially in for a bit of trouble. Um, I remember going with my girlfriend at the time, Nicole, uh, to a 10 a.m. showing on the day of its release. I don't think they did midnight releases. Um, but we had the, yeah, we were there the first day and I mean, it was exciting. It was super exciting. Holy shit. Was it exciting? I mean, this was, I mean, the build up to this, I would say the build up to the force awakens comes close, but the build up to this after, you know, star Wars was just fucking sacred, man. We loved it so much. Um, I don't know. I should. I, I want to talk about this, but I want to talk about what's going on on screen as well. Okay, that shuttle, cool looking, cool to see TC thirteen. You know, like a three PO type droid. That is nice. Oh, man, I gotta say, okay, one of the reasons for doing these commentaries is uh, I did buy. You know, I bought these on Blu-ray. Gotta have them. <clears throat> and I've since watched episode one on Blu-ray, and I just felt like. I just didn't really want to watch episode two and three ever again after my last rewatch. But now I feel like I haven't actually put them on the big screen at home on the Blu-ray and and um, and watched them. Um, but I can say straight away, they, there's a fuzziness. There's a fuzziness to these films. Um due to the state of CG technology at the time. Um, I think it's 
got away with it a bit better on film on the big screen and then on you know normal normal size normal um normal grade TVs that we you know had in the 90s or or not 90s but 2000s and whatnot but now on the, you know like big screen 4K TVs the uh the limitations are a little bit more visible things look a bit fuzzier I mean, I like. Okay, this. Yeah, the, I actually I like the Nemodians. I think they're cool characters. Um, I like how they are terrified of the Jedi here, and they're just trying to avoid it. But uh, you know, the the dialogue in this beginning, it it felt clunky to me, or McClunky. Got to get that in there. It felt McClunky to me straight from the first viewing, and I I think I remember thinking. Eh, I can maybe see why people uh, had some issues with this film. Um, great to see Palpatine. Um, bizarre to hear y- that younger fans who didn't grow up with the uh, with the original trilogy, when they are you know when they've been introduced to the saga and started from Episode One, you know, have no idea that uh, Senator Palpatine and the and uh, Darth Sidious are the same person. Which is pretty fun. You know, I think if, you know, for people who were watching the films uh, in release order, there are certain big reveals that are magic. And maybe you get some different reveals if you watch them one, two, three, four, five, etc. Okay. Now we're about to kick off into some of the coolest stuff in the prequels, I think, which is just Qui Gon and Obi Wan doing, doing Jedi stuff. Um, this. <laughs> with the, the doors open the smoke is coming out of the room and TC14 comes wob- comes waddling out that's possibly the funniest joke in all the prequels actually there you go done but that's yeah they come out swinging fantastic I love that I got no issues with that whatsoever um what I do have issue with is the freaking battle droids. I hate them. <laughs> I mean, really. Like, when people complain about the, like, the sequel trilogy, I'm like, oh, but the prequels are all right, are they? You like the battle droids, do you? They're pretty cool, aren't they? Are they? Oh, Roger, 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 you like that? You like that, huh? I just, I can't understand why people... Like, ugh. But this, okay, Qui-Gon cutting through the door. Everybody loves this. Magic. I love when the doors slam shut. Hang on, I think it's a really cool line coming up soon with the Nemoidians. Oh, the do- yeah, Qui-Gon's just melting the door. Ah, I think I missed the line. Anyway, my a guy I knew called um, Anto- Anton? I've forgotten his name now. But anyway... He he always like talked about how one of his lines was like a uh, the, one of the Nomorians says like Have you go, ever gone up against the Jedi before? And he says, Well, no. And he says, We will not survive this. <laughs> it was, I think that's a cracker of a line. Droidica's pretty cool. Um, they are in line with prequel design, but at the same time, cool, <laughs> which is not always the case. Um, yeah, battle droids. Oh, I just wonder, you know, what would it have been like if you, if they had put, 
Okay, he's oh he's a quote unquote joke. You ready? You were right about one thing, Master. The negotiations were short. <laughs> I can imagine George doing the George chuckled to himself <laughs> as he wrote that one. All right, then we get okay, Queen Amidala. I have to say that there's almost not a single moment with that character throughout the three films that makes me like the character. I just find her ultra dull and she's basically a chess piece in these movies that gets moved around. Um, she looks amazing in this film. Like, this outfit, I mean, it's fantastic. Like, I I love that, you know, Lucas went for this, like, he purposefully avoided fashion and design in the out, in the outfits and then in this film which you know which you know this era which was supposed to be uh you know before the empire ruined everything that you see uh, this like so much culture going on um so much style and uh, yeah i like that that's fine i'm all right with that but um yeah amidala I'm not the first person to say it, but if you can, if you can ca cause an in incredibly talented actor like uh, Natalie Portman into, you know, cause her to put it to deliver a stiff performance like this, then you've really, <laughs> don't, not sure you should be directing movies. Co Bibble, love that bloke. He's awesome. Hugh Quashie as um, Captain Panaka. He was all right. Ah, these outfits are all right. Yeah, but um, Amidala's look is super spectacular there. All right, now we get to some shots of the Trade Federation ships and whatnot. Yup, they look all right. Someone, I saw someone on a, in a Facebook group recently comment on, like how 90s looking this is I can't remember if he was talking about the Phantom Menace specifically or the prequels and I was like yes yes because I had the exact same experience recently when I rewatched uh, episode one like the color palette it's really 90s and which is, you know, maybe not that surprising since it was made in the 90s, Tom. Um, and it just makes you think, like, the 70s and early 80s, for people like me, I mean, that's just such a, like, a golden age of coolness. So no wonder, like, the original trilogy is the coolest shit ever. It's like music from that era is also the coolest shit ever. So, <laughs> you know, it fits together. Um... Yeah, I, yeah, again, like, wow, when you look at this in, like, high def, a lot of the uh, shortcomings of uh, CG at the time are laid bare. Uh, Jar Jar, yeah, it does look like video game cut cutscene footage more than uh, what you're used to these days. Ah, that's a cool move, though, Qui-Gon. 
deflecting the blaster bolts on those um, staps, is that what they're called? Uh, I don't know. Obi-Wan's little head, doobie, bloody rat tail thing. Uh, not a fan. I don't know. You know, like... Yeah, this is kind of like a leisurely pace that so many of the scenes move at. Just feels like a bit dull. Ah, I don't know. Here we go. Jar Jar. Now, I mean, like, this was this was cutting edge stuff at the time, obviously. We're, there had never been a CG character like this. People uh, you know, always talk about Gollum being the breakthrough for that kind of thing. He was a break breakthrough for doing it success successfully, shall we say? But uh, Jar Jar was def was first. The, uh, this is really weird, though. Like, I mean, Obi Wan's eye line seems really off in that scene, but it, I think it's correct. It's just that Jar Jar's eyes are in such a weird place that it looks wrong. Mm, I don't know. I do remember being super excited about just seeing Jedi. Looking like Jedi, doing Jedi stuff. Here we go. Otogunga. Otogunga? I don't know. Whatever. George always pronounces things totally different. I love the music here, though. The music here is a killer. John Williams definitely did some of his best work ever on the prequels. Um, I mean, I like these shots of them swimming underwater, but once you get into these uh, living, uh, these bubbly living areas, it's uh, like I just think that the Gungans are a crap, like a crappy, it's like a crappy design. I think they look silly, like. And I feel like all this, like, it's just not Star Wars to me. And, I mean, you can say that, like, what was Star Wars was so defined by what was possible rather than what George actually wanted to do. But, I mean, this, like, look at this shot. It's, like, all colors everywhere and I'm not into it. Not into it at all. It's like there's nothing real on this screen. There's like two real... It's like... Just two humans looking totally bewildered. Like they have no idea what's going on around them. Yeah, I don't like... Yeah, boss ness. I mean... It's just... Why does he look different to all the rest of them? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a fan of ridiculous stuff in Star Wars in general, uh, but this sometimes, ugh, nah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, I just feel like there's just too much gold everywhere and mm. I mean, this is kind of a cool concept, I guess, this kind of thing of symbiosis it's a nice idea i think it is you know like subtly anti-racist 
<laughs> which fits in with the current theme. Um, which is kind of nice, you know, since you've had these two uh, people on this planet having, you know, an, a difficult relationship with each other. That's so weird. Why is the ship called a bongo? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, visually, I just, I don't, it doesn't look like Star Wars to me. Sorry. Uh, do I like Qui-Gon's hair? Yes. There's a positive. I like Qui-Gon's hair. That's excellent. The beard, also good. The Obi-Wan hair, not good. Obi-Wan doesn't have... Obi-Wan's look kind of... It's kind of sucks until episode three where it looks spectacular. Mm. I don't know. There's a, it's a bit in um, inconsistent. Obi-Wan looks pretty cool in some scenes in uh, episode one and pretty goofy in others. Hmm... What? What's that Misa saying? It's like one of the, okay. So, my friend in Japan, Hiroaki, he knew that I was not a fan of the Iron Maiden song "Can I Play with Madness." I thought it was some cheesy pop stuff, basically. And he would be like, "You don't like it? Oh, I love that song." And I'm like, "Nah, I love Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, but I don't like Can I Play with Madness." Sorry. And then we went to see them in Tokyo. And they played Can I Play With Madness? At one point, Hiroaki turned around and looked at me and laughed his ass off because I was, of course, singing all the words. I may not like the song, but I know all the words. All right. Um, this, this shit with the fish. Like, who cares about... Uh, like, I don't know. This ship looks ridiculous. I guess it's in line with Gungan culture or whatever, but... I just like compare this to like snow speeders and stuff. Nah. Slave one. Come on. And then there's this, you know, biting the, bite, the fish bites the sheep. And then a bigger fish bites that fish. But then there's like an even bigger fish, and that bigger fish gets beaten by an even big fish. <sighs> Just nah. All right. Yeah, I'm also not a fan of like this whole all the droid stuff of like. like I understand like they had to have enemies that the, the Jedi could just like blow up and not they wouldn't have to be any like moral moral questions about Jedi killing people. But having said that, ah, but look at Palpatine. This Palpatine hologram looks fantastic. Never really, I never thought about those droids in the background before. They're kind of cute. Hmm. All right, back to the bongo. Hurrah. Oh, Maxi Big the Force. Hmm. It's so weird. Like, I just feel like... Like, the the prequel trilogy is so unfunny. Like, there's just... 
there's almost no good jokes and they put basically all their comedic eggs in the one Jar Jar basket. Jar Jar didn't really work and then they were screwed like it was just like a bunch of very po-faced serious fucking characters. Uh, so they get chased by another fish and now there's going to be I mean, are you serious? They did like the same sequence twice in a row. Who thought that was a good idea? Why is it the same thing twice? That is bizarre. Nice that uh, one of these fish was apparently the fish that... Um, what's his name in Solo was eating? You all know. Or you don't. I don't know. <laughs> Try not to be grumpy. Oh, I can't... Uh, uh, no. Um, these... The green hills leading into Theed look unbelievably fake. It's so bad. See, people... Like, people go like, Oh, they've... People complain about the CG, but there was shit tons of fucking... Models used in the Phantom Menace. Yeah, that doesn't matter. What, but they also use CG. They still use overuse CG and, and used like CG that wasn't up to the task. Like use CG as long as it can do the job, you know. But these like big green fields, like with nothing going on. This, and then like you see the invasion of Theed, right? droid uh, vehicles and whatever going down the main street. There's no people. I just remember going like, how am I supposed to care about the like the Naboo or the, you know, when you don't see anyone, you don't see anyone suffering or like there's no, there's nothing to make you like hate the bad guys. As far as I can tell, they're like Naboo is basically a room full of very nicely dressed rich people <laughs> you know what i mean like you know when you watch the force awakens you've got a village they seem like nice folks and the fucking for first order lands and starts massacring people and immediately you go i don't like the first order those guys are bad guys and here we got like goofy battle droids who are totally unthreatening and they they don't do anything bad to anyone like Not good. Naboo looks nice, though. That's a place you would probably like to visit if you could. Now we have a, a totally okay-ish lightsaber whacking scene. I don't know. I like Padme's handmaidens. They're pretty cool. Especially since... I don't know. I don't think in this in this scene, but one of them is Rose Byrne, who is uh, one of Australia's greatest. <sighs> this guy, I'm starting to wonder, why, why did I do this? <laughs> why am I doing this? <laughs> oh, I love the how she does. Thank you, Ambassador. Oh, it's so stiff and like 
unfun. Where's the zip and the zoom? We are brave, Your Highness. Oh, come on. Where's Lawrence Kasdan when you need him? Like, I'm sorry. Like, you kids on the internet saying that these are awesome and the new ones are not good. I'm not sure where you got that from. Poor freaking Ewan McGregor. I just... I just, I, he, he must have been so pumped to get this role. God, I hope they, his TV show series is, is good. That's a pretty good thwap with, but from uh, Qui Gon though, I gotta say. But I don't know, just like, doesn't have the visual poetry of the originals or the new ones to me in the fight scenes. It's just a bit of goofy business. To me, it really smacks of like, all right, just stand on in this like va vacuum and s swing the lightsabers around. Like, what are we fighting? You know, stuff. Good silhouette of the rat tail, Obi Wan rat tail. Awesome. Very popular in 1988 in Adelaide, Australia. There we get to see R2. Can't be mad about that. R2's great. Now, this uh, Nabu. Um, ship that they're escaping in. like the, the design of that. I love the Nabu Starfighters. They look cool. Doug Chang. Nice work, buddy. Love the old Rick O'Lee. <laughs> that guy is not... Uh, not remembered a great deal. Let's see. R2. Okay. This is fucking cool, actually. We get to see uh, R2... Or we get to see um, some good uh, good footage of what. Um, oh my god, I've gone blank. Um, I can't even remember what type of droid the Artu is. You know, nice to see them do what they do. You know, they are basically ship mechanics and navigators. So I mean, you get a bit of that in the original trilogy. Um, this is uh but it's cool to see them do their thing. That's actually very nice. That's a super cool shot of um the cannons blasting at the ship as it kind of like skims over the surface. I think I mean George was always good with, you know, motion and speed when it came to ships and stuff. That's one of his big things. I got to reach for the water. Got to use the force. Come on. Yeah, I'm thirsty. That's cool. Where he's like, we can't go there. The huts are gangsters. It's nice, I think, to... um, Yeah. To kind of instate this feeling of like a menace around the huts. I like that. By the way... This whole thing of the blockade, I think I've talked about this before. How does a blockade even work in space? There's like 8 billion fucking directions you can fly in. Ah, Mole turns up for the first time. 
Come on. One of the best designed Star Wars characters of all time. I think every Star Wars fan who saw the like the the press, you know, releases and promotional material in '98, seeing J Darth Maul, would have been. I mean, we were all blown away. I remember thinking, like, I mean, you. Ah, oh, I have to talk about this scene quickly. So it's the scene in the ship where they bring Artu before Amidala, so Amidala can be like. Nice work, little dirty droid. So, my friend Jamie Elton's dad was one of the set designers or set yeah, set decorators or set set builders or I don't know exactly what his title was, but he worked on this set. Pretty freaking cool. And actually, he was involved with what what was supposed to be Benioff and Weiss's a series of Star Wars films because he was the head production designer on Game of Thrones. So, of course, they brought him with them to work on the Star Wars films and then they bailed from Star Wars. So, he's not doing that anymore. So, my in on the Star Wars franchise is out. I'm not going to be an extra in a Star Wars movie now. That's pretty sad. Oh, I mean, Jar Jar looks like, like such a video game character. Not good. And I also like I mean this is a royal a royal ship. I understand that. It's not the Millennium Falcon, which is like a like a filthy dude's bedroom basically in space. But everything in that ship is clean. And I just think that that's not the Star Wars look. What are we doing? I mean How do you nail something so perfectly in the original trilogy? And then it's just like ah. I'm not going to do that. This is a pretty nice shot of the ship landing on Tatooine, though. Not bad. Like, I can really, like, sympathize with people being like, oh, my God, like, well, how can Tatooine supposed to be in the middle of nowhere? How come everyone ends up back on Tatooine? Well, I would, you know, it's movies. We like Tatooine. We want to see it again. It's, it's that easy. I don't mind that, really. And you never know, like sometimes people in places that should mean nothing end up meaning, meaning a lot. And that's maybe the case with Tatooine. This scene feels very much like George Lucas just trying to work out how to get the Queen involved on this little journey. There's no reason for her to be there. It's, kind of, it's ridiculous, in fact, like why would... The queen, like, she's all important. Her fucking planet's under siege, and she's like, I need to go on this, like, da potentially dangerous little fucking trip into town. Cool to see some aliens. I mean, this stuff is always cool. The aliens look cool. The background spacey dudes look good. That stuff looks, you know, you could have put that, in, you could have put those characters in the background of the, of, uh, of episode four, and it would have looked totally fine. I like that. Well, that droid's got a bit of a limp. Never noticed that before. There you go. You always notice something new. Hmm. Dewbacks. Reminds me of special edition Dewbacks. Not 
really into that. All right. You know, people um, criticize Lucas for basically building characters around racial stereotypes and what was one of those. Uh, ah, that can be debated, I suppose. And here we have Anakin Skywalker. I'm going to try to be nice, but I'm probably going to fail. Like, no, I have no problem with Jake Lloyd whatsoever. God bless him. I hope he feels better soon. Um, I just, why did they, why did they start telling Anakin's story from this age? I don't get it. Like, I just imagine like if, <laughs> I don't know, if they had started him as, a, you know, being a teenager around 16, 17, 18, that would have been cool. Now, I. Uh, understandably, they they didn't want to do something that was just like Luke again. I mean, it would feel, it could potentially feel pretty samey if it's just like, oh yeah, these are, you know, a kid, or, you know, a teenager on Tatooine. Oh, and it just could just feel the same. Um, so this makes it a bit different, I guess. Uh, as a lot of people have pointed out, it was a bit unlucky that this came out the same year as The Sixth Sense. And The Sixth Sense provided the world with one of its great child performances with the... Uh, what's his name? It's not Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> Jane something, Shumini Nimini. But he, he that performance was fantastic. So, um, so nuanced. The kid really honestly seemed haunted and it was magical so Anakin Skywalker here feels like a kid doing his best on uh, less than perfect circumstances sadly there's a cool droid in the background of this conversation between Watto and Qui-Gon I never saw that droid before I got no complaints with cool droids in the background I love that this is weird like Republic credits won't do Really? I don't know. This whole thing was super convoluted. Like, I can't use this money that is used in most of the fucking galaxy, all right? So now I have to fight, get the kid to race the thing and then bet the thing and get the human, but not get the ma like... You know, people talked about the Rise of Skywalker being convoluted with the dagger and the wayfinders and all that stuff. And they're not wrong. It is convoluted. But this is bonkers. I was glad to meet you too. That's kind of cute though, Anakin. I was glad to meet you too. That's not bad. <laughs> what is it with the leg wrappings in Star Wars? I just, I just love it. Leg wrappings in Star Wars. I'm into that. Why do I like it so much? Did I wear leg wrappings in a past life? Was I a leg wrapper? I was a leg wrapper. Oh my god. You know, like, I mean, it, this is a slow moving film. And 
slightly dull uh, interactions like that. You know, it's in line with episode four, really. Episode four was slow as hell as well for, mo- for the first half of it. Uh, the Greedo in the background is pretty good. <laughs> That's a funny looking alien. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about uh, Sebulba. Hard to say, like, he doesn't fit super well in with original trilogy looks for characters, I guess. But I feel like if I saw him, if I had seen him as a practical puppet in the original trilogy, I probably would have no issues. Ah, I don't know. He's all right, I guess. Oh, really clunky, like, delivery from Anakin there. He picked a fight with the dog, an especially dangerous dog. Honk. So Bob was a lot more purple than I remember him being. That's the thing, like, all these these colors. Tone the colors down. Obi-Wan's... Fluffy frickin' hairdo fluffing all over the place. Nah. Yeah, I don't know. I just find these characters almost uniformly just dull and unlikable. I like this old lady, though. She's great. Hurry, hurry, Manny. The storm's coming. Oh, that take is... How is that the best take? You never... Sandstorms are very... Very... Dangerous. Oh my god, was that really the best take they had? Sorry. I'm sorry, I'm trying... I don't want to be negative, but this is is catharsis now for me. Just put up with it. (laughs) Panilla August. Kicking ass. She's great. I think she's a great actor actress. She's uh she's cool. It's a bit weird now at the age of forty-four to realize that this kind of like mum character was younger than me when she played when she was played played, was played, whatever. Okay. You cannot talk shit about the new films if you are comfortable with the fact that Darth frickin' Vader made frickin' uh, C fucking 3PO. Explain that to me. Are you serious? I mean, that is mind-bending. Like, Really? You know how, like, John Knoll has this, like, poker face? Like, if you watch the makings of for these films, <laughs> you see George Lucas just be like, and then we're going to have eight million special effects here and a billion special effects shots here. Yeah, you could do that, right, John? And John just, like, 
he's like low key fucking panicking, but his face, he's trying to keep his face still. That's what I imagine everybody on the entire production, rea how they reacted when George was like, yeah, Anakin Skywalker made C3PO. Oh. Okay. Qui-Gon talking into the lady shaver. For those that don't know, that communicator was made out of a woman's shaver. I like that kind of stuff. Okay, Coruscant. This is pretty cool. Now, mm, again, the CG is falling down. This is fucking awesome, though. Darth Maul. Palpatine on a balcony. Being Sithy and saying Sithy things. That line is so cool. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. And it's over in like four seconds. Oh, more of that. Less of everything else. Nice to see a jug back. I mean, that's... I feel like that's really close to the, you know, the blue milk jug from episode four. It's great. I love it. I want to meet Penilla August. I live in Sweden now. Where is she? Why haven't I bumped into her at the supermarket? This whole trip has been for nothing. Ah, nice Malastare reference from Qui-Gon. Yeah, that the tongue grab's not bad, to be honest. It's all right. It's not the funniest joke in the world. What's on Anakin's plate? It looks like just a big plate of oatmeal or something. Hmm. Talking about the Jedi laser, laser sword. That's such a George thing. Laser sword. I wish my George Lucas impression was good. I'm not sure you're allowed to do uh, a Star Wars podcast if your George Lucas impression isn't good. Might get a letter from uh, from the president of Star Wars podcasts soon. Dear Mr. Sutton, it has been brought to our attention that your George Lucas impersonation sucks balls. Please cease and desist all Star Wars podcasting forthwith. Regards... George Lucas. <laughs> That'd be amazing if George was the president of Star Wars Podcasting. Mm. It's weird how your perspective changes over the years. Penilla August used to be like, oh, look at this mum character. And now I'm like, oh, I wouldn't mind uh, going, going out with her. I don't know. I wish I had a comment here, but it's just this conversation is going for ages. This is the convoluted stuff. Like you could tell Motto that the racer is your is yours, and I could drive it, and then we could win it. And I don't know. Again, I just got to say. Why make Anakin this age? What's the point of that? 
Like he's so young and then there's such a long gap between this and episode two. You're basically starting over again at that point. So... Natalie Portman burning up the screen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a fan of hers. She's fantastic. What a talent. Oh, that oatmeal looks disgusting. By the way, I didn't do... You know when people do commentaries and you go like, okay, you can watch along. And then like, three, two, one, hit play and whatever. I'm assuming you have seen this movie enough times by now. I guess Qui-Gon is already well aware that she is the queen. Yeah, I don't know. This is just more... Basically, not even exposition, but just like setting up this bizarrely, bizarrely complicated plot stuff. This is weird, like, like watching it like this. Like, I... It's just, like, you can understand why, like, you know, after 16 years, the Dark Ages, when there was no Star Wars, you know, after uh, Return of the Jedi came out, people waited... We didn't even dare to dream that there could be another Star Wars movie. And then, out of the darkness, the announcement, episode one is on its way. So exciting. And now there is massive chunks of dialogue. Of just like, blah, 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 blah. It's no wonder people are a bit like, what the hell is this? Oh, awesome arm cross there, Anakin. <laughs> that looked... <laughs> he missed with the arm cross. Oh, go watch that. I don't know. No. I'm sorry. Obi-Wan's fluffy hair is just it just ruins my day. That's it. I had a good day. Listen to me. I'm in a good mood, but... That fluffy Obi-Wan hair ruins it. Now I'm in a bad mood. Nah. Ah, oh, nice smile between Qui-Gon and, uh, and Shmi there. Like a bit of that. It's nice to see, like, these, you know, these kind of the huts that they live in. That's some classic Tatooine-looking stuff. Got no issue there. It's cool, like they're kind of outline, out, outlining this Jedi trait that Anakin has where he can see things before they happen, which is why his uh, reflexes appear to be so fast. It's not so much that he has fast reflexes, but that he is responding to something that he has already, in a way, seen. Now Shmi is laying down the there was no father line. Am I the only one who, like, I just never felt like this whole Chosen One thing was necessary. I never liked it. 
I didn't actually come here to free slaves, says Qui-Gon. Why not? Oh, here comes the kids. <laughs> A.K.A. the producer's offspring scene. Kidster. Wald. Other random children. Come on, let's go play ball. This is insane to me that this was a, this is a Star Wars film. Like, I guess you can say like it's for kids, and so a bunch of kids just hanging out and chatting is like gonna be entertaining. I guess I don't know. God, I just like. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't even know what to say anymore. Why? <laughs> like this Jar Jar, like tongue thing, and he's got his hand stuck in the engine, and all this stuff. I just, I just feel like if this was made today, this whole thing would have been done in like five seconds, and we would be on to the next thing. Like I'm, like I understand. There's a kind of pace, that, like a bit of an old-fashioned pace to Star Wars films, or there there has been, there was until uh, the Force Awakens came out. That we should appreciate that. But this film has really long chunks where you just kind of just waiting for something to happen. Ah, that's a nice moment where you see Shmi. She's you can see she's scared about Anakin doing this dangerous race, and also you, you get the feeling that she's um she can sense that uh, her son is maybe going to be taken away from her, which is really sad and sweet. Penilla August, good on ya. Yeah. Yeah, again, I like those living quarters. They look nice. And uh, here we go. One of the least liked aspect of the prequels. The midichlorians. I've heard people try to explain why they don't suck. To explain, to say that they it doesn't ruin the mysticism, the magic of the Force, but I don't buy it. This was a massive miscalculation to quantify the Force in such a boring, like you can what you can count the greeblies in someone's blood to determine how like powerful they are. Oh, it feels like just missing the point of Star Wars completely, massively. All right. This, however, is fucking fantastic. Darth Maul's ship landing. The ship looks awesome. Darth Maul looks awesome. It's shot in this amazing, like, twilight. 
awesome. I find it, it's kind of weird how like he's got this cool costume and then this like really bright silvery armband. I just like every time Maul is on screen, you just go like this rolls. But he's on screen for about like two and a half minutes tops or something. It's really unfortunate. Yeah, some cool to see some more Tatooine stuff, really. What do we think about pit droids? I don't know. They're right. It's kind of fun to yeah, look at these background characters and stuff when you're rewatching things again and again. And this in this kind of situation where you're doing a commentary, I'm not like listening to every word, so I can kind of Look at what else is in the frame. What is it with um, Twi'lek women being the sex symbols of the Star Wars universe? It's almost always that way. I guess Harrison Syndulla does not fall into that ca into that category. And it's more stuff about the bet and and the race and stuff. I mean, if you timed it out, like famously the, um, you know, the Duel of the Fates fight is one of the most celebrated sequences in the prequels. I bet it's way shorter than all the discussion in this movie about the get like the Republic credits and then the sh betting the ship and then negotiating on like whether to bet that he can win Anakin and Shmi's freedom or only Anakin's because it's not worth this and rolling the dice and oh insanity all right EOPs they're pretty cool um I have to say like um I do agree a little bit when people said like the the elderly woman at the end of the Rise of Skywalker um, was not writing an EOP. She was writing something very similar. Why not just making an EOP? It's on Tatooine. We've already seen them there. Why not just uh, throw that bone to the um, to the prequel fans? But this is the thing. Like, I mean, there's. There's a, a huge amount of people who really love the prequels, which is great, as I've said. Good on ya. Um, so, you know, and they, and they say that, like, Lucasfilm or Disney should really try to cater to them a bit more rather than just being so focused on the original trilogy and that aesthetic and that vibe. Um, oh, that Skullface Spaceman is super cool. I like him. Um, but I just I find it so f just frustrating this bloody um, the two headed commentator for the races like doing all these like kind of modern kind of like that little kid is out of his mind kind of stuff it's like uh, that's doesn't feel super Star Wars-y. Okay. Let's talk about this pod race. 
I don't mind. I think it's a pretty cool concept. Um, you know, George loves racing and cars and stuff, so that's that's cool. Nice to see him doing, you know, including this stuff that he loves. Um, again, like for example, those screens behind the behind the um, the commentator. That's just completely not in line with all the kind of like screens that you've seen in the original trilogy. I think they get that so right in the new films. Um, yeah, the pods look really cool. I like that. I love the big engines. That's all good. What I don't love is the the drivers. I think it's a little bit um, too Muppety or I don't know, those characters. I think if it was if if this had been done now, those characters would have been better. These flags coming out are cool though. Got the 3PO carrying Anakin's flag, looking wobbly. Ah, oh, a fart joke. That's great. Oh, this is, you know, I'm 44 years old. I still love fart jokes, but I I get no entertainment out from that fart joke whatsoever. Which means you've really missed, that That really has to, it's just, that that's, there's no comic timing going on there. Sorry, Uncle George. That fart joke stinks. <laughs> yes, nailed it. All right. Nice to hear Anakin's thrown down in Hatties. Hear the Bantapudu again from uh, Sabalba. I mean, those those engines look super good. Great designs. I just love. I think when you when you kind of use totally over the top size in that way, right? That works. It's really nice. I like Anakin's helmet, man. If I'd had a helmet like that as a kid, I would have enjoyed it for sure. All right, here we see more evidence of CGI Jabba never working at all. Is it Gadula the hut that is the other one, the other hut that's there? Just the, it's literally like at best ten percent as good looking as the Return of the Jedi Jabba. It's so off. Again, so, I mean everything looks so nineties. Guess what? It was made in the nineties. Shouldn't be surprised, Tom. I just like, I mean, there's such long stretches of this film of just like, just dullness. All right. We are about to have some fun and, fun and excitement, though. Some of the best sound design in Star Wars history is in this pod race, for sure. I mean, I'm gonna have to turn down the volume a bit for my uh, neighbors. Got alligator face, smiley head, Sebulba. See, I'm giving them new names, I don't care. Um, like this purple, that's not a Star Wars y color. 
Wings window shouldn't have a purple lightsaber. That purple business shouldn't be there. No more purple. Sorry, Amanda. All right. Ah, Warwick Davis. <laughs> this is pretty gross. He bites the head off some, like, toad thing and spits it at the gong to start the race. Pretty gross. Um... Yeah, I, I think that like the controls inside the inside the um, what do you call it? The pod racer. They look cool. They're like pretty classic, you know, Star Warsy looking uh, buttons and stuff. And here we have Ben Quadraneros. I mean, I don't have to tell you, one of the stupidest looking Star Wars characters, also known as the California Raisin, just. To me, doesn't that doesn't sit as a Star Wars design? Sorry. All right, here we go. Malastarian. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Um, the movement, the speed, is fantastic. Again, sadly, on this, uh, you know, on a nice big 4K TV, the CG of it all becomes much more apparent. You know, if you see this at the cinema, you don't. It doesn't look as much like a video game, but, uh, you know. Uh, Singh standing up there. That's cool to see. She's a cool-looking character. Um, but, yeah, the sounds. Woo! Especially Sebulba's uh, pod racer. That's actually one of my favorite Star Wars sounds ever, which is funny. Um, there, see? I can be a bit uh, positive about this movie, you know. There are things I really like. Um, but the rock formations in this whole thing are really iconic, lovely stuff. I remember the, you know, there's episode one pod racer, I think it was called. It was a video game that was, oh, that, yeah. <laughs> Tuscan Raiders just being a pain in the ass. Very funny. That's kind of a cool thing. <laughs> Cool. Ah. A bit nervous. I think I'm going to run out of water before the movie's over. That's all right. I'll just go get water and leave you guys here to listen to the sound of the movie in the background. Um. Yes, as uh, many people know, the uh, when this film was released on... DVD, I believe. It was not the Blu-ray release. I think it was the DVD release. Uh, the pod race had actually been extended. Some people have commented that it's too long now. Yeah, maybe it is, but all sorts of stuff is too long in this movie, so that's all right with me, really. Um, but yeah, the sense of movement, the way the dust kicks up, that all looks really cool. Um, <laughs> nah, okay, the, the alien who's selling, like, fish or whatever to the audience, to the crowd. <laughs> I can't remember who said it, but I think they are right in that the visual language of Star Wars was established in an era when creatures had to be puppets or they had to be people in suits 
and that caused uh, that that created certain limitations in the physicality of those creatures. And um, what that means is that now that you're in the CG era where you can make anything, if you want it to look like Star Wars, it's still best to design your creatures and alien characters as with the same limitations in mind that were in place during <laughs> that sound effect. It sucks. <laughs> so Bulba throws a, like a the spanner and it goes through one of the engines and then like that that creature goes like <laughs> oh super good like it's so, I mean I understand like Star Wars and the Muppets have shared DNA they're related you know but that one was a little bit too Muppety this is a cool bit of drama where one of his uh, one of his uh, engines have, has broken free but he uses some kind of magnet stick magnet stick to pull it back that is super cool Yeah, where was I? Yeah, creatures. So now, like in this, you know, you see in the CG era, they're building stuff with these like long necks and spindly arms and stuff, and it's just like, I think that <laughs> now when you think of like these Tuscan Raiders taking pot shots at the pod races, yeah, you guys might not want to mess with Anakin Skywalker. He's gonna come back for you. So are they, is that the end of the second lap? Doesn't mean they have an entire lap to go. All right, here's my chance to go get water. Everybody just listen to engine sounds for the next two minutes. All right, I'll be right back. Everyone enjoying that uh, Skywalker sound, the sound design? Fantastic. What do you think, R2? Yes. Here we go. I'm going to be talking to R2 now when it gets boring. <laughs> oh, but listen to Sebulba's, listen to Sebulba's pod racer. Banging. It's like the, it's like the bolt thrower of, uh, of pod racers. Mm. It's been a warm day here in Gothenburg, and I made some iced chai tea with honey and oat milk. It is fantastic. Um, I, ha I hate that fucking commentator, two-headed dude. Just no.
bit of mic adjustment there. All right, maybe people are all right. Maybe this is too long. That's, I like that little grimace from the little Anakin there. That's a good, that was good. I like the little shifty shifties he's doing. Oh, grimacing again. Shifty shifties. Is the, is the, here we go. Oh, the engines are back on. He's grimacing. Hits the gas. Floors it. It's fanging. It's fanging through here. Oh, those rock output outcroppings again look very cool. Hmm. This T is really hitting the spot. I don't know. It's cool. When I compare it to uh, stuff like the Millennium Falcon in the... Asteroid Field or uh, the Millennium Falcon in The Force Awakens with Rey piloting it, escaping the TIE Fighters. It's, it's not as cool. It's not as cool a chase sequence. Alright. It's taking forever. So I'm just going to talk to R2-D2 for a second. So, R2... Uh, what are you looking forward mo uh, to most uh, in, in the Star Wars universe in the coming years? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I'm also looking forward to that. Uh, what are your hopes for the Cassian Andor series? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. I would love to see Emphis Nest in that. Let's hope that she turns up. She's a cool character. All right. And, uh, oh, Oh, mm, this commentator dude doing the the head nod hoo ha thing. Uh, Anakin won the race. That's great. What do you think about that, R two? Yep, great. Jabba wakes up. That is a terrible looking Jabba the Hutt. Come on, don't try to tell me that's not s sucking massively. The funny thing is, like, I like this movie way more than I like episode two, so I'm a bit scared about doing that one. We'll see. I like that detail of, like, his face is all filthy, except where his goggles were. That's pretty nice. Watto's pissed off. Look at him. Flapping his wings in an agitated manner. More talking about betting and the boy and the boom. I don't know. As people have pointed out, like you would think, like Jedi Knights, guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy. If they wanted to free, like, a woman from slavery, they surely they could do that. How hard could that be? I don't know. Here we have puffy-haired Obi-Wan. EOPs again. Oh, that's one of the ugliest Obi-Wan shots. Why do I feel like we've picked up another pathetic life form? Oh, man, I mean, 
Ewan McGregor is so awesome. He could have been magic in these films. And he was magic, but... Uh... All right. I don't know. This whole sequence seems to be going forever. But Panilla August's performance is fantastic. You know, when you see like the number of like killer actors like uh, Ewan McGregor and Natalie Portman, Peter ja Peter Jackson, Sam Jackson, who just didn't come off well in these films, when someone does. You know, managed to like jump out of the screen with something cool, then you you know that they're uh, you know they got firepower. Vanilla August got got firepower. Mm hmm. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am actually I'm done for today. It's uh, it's been fun. <laughs> The old, the classic Anakin yippee. Um, I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna separate this into two sittings because um, that pod race it just took it out of me. I gotta pause for a minute, but I can say it's been super nice to be back. Super nice to be talking Star Wars again. Keep on uh, fighting the power, everybody. Uh, if you ever, if you've ever wondered how you would have performed in the Rebel Alliance, now's your chance to find out. Uh, support your brothers and sisters across the world who need ya. And um, yeah, listen to R two D two and his advice. Yeah, tell it like it is, R two. All right, I will be back with. The second half of this Phantom Menace uh, commentary on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. This is uh, Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. Ah!